Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, Carl Whithouse talks about writing assessment, writing technologies, online writing instruction, and trends and future directions in computers and composition research. Carl Whithouse is a professor of writing and rhetoric at the University of California, Davis. He served as director of the university writing program from 2011 to 2018. He studies digital culture, writing in the disciplines, particularly communication in the sciences and engineering, and writing assessment. His books include multimodal literacies and emerging genres, writing across distances and disciplines, research and pedagogy and distributed learning, and teaching and evaluating writing in the age of computers and high-stakes testing. He's the co-editor for the Journal of Writing Assessment. On Twitter, he's at Carl underscore Whithouse. Carl, thanks so much for joining us. You have a storied history uh, of research and teaching in rhetoric and composition, and this history includes work in writing assessment, writing technologies, multimodal composition, technical writing, writing in the disciplines. Can you talk about your journey to teaching and what led you to study rhetoric and composition? Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with um, with CUNY, the City University of New York, where I was doing my PhD work. And I, even before that, I did my master's at NYU. Strangely enough, I did my master's like on histories of reading the Book of Job. So, I mean, sort of more traditional literature, but I was actually working with a faculty member in the Jewish Studies Department. And I started graduate school and I knew I was interested in writing technologies. But I wasn't sure if I was interested in like the printing press or it was HTML. Like I liked both of those things and I was reading across like late medieval lit and early modern lit and contemporary, you know, practices of using technology and also teaching, of course. I found like as I did coursework and as I taught at a variety of campuses around CUNY, my people where I really belonged was with uh, the RETCOMP folks and really with the um, the students. And it's interesting, um, it really, like the focus on writing assessment, like to move from being interested in writing technologies to writing assessment in the 1990s, ended up being a really organic move. It was an organic move within CUNY because CUNY at the time had a thing called the writing assessment test, the WAT, and it was used to place students into basic writing courses or first year comp, but you actually had to pass it before you could move from being a sophomore to a junior or before you graduated from any of the CUNY community colleges. And it was one of these like, timed one-shot exams you sit down you write to a prompt and that was it and i was teaching you know both first year comp but also the basic writing courses and like what my students could do because i would teach in the computer labs like they could produce so much in the computer labs when we had time and yet they were having to take this pen and paper writing assessment and like it hit on the writing technology stuff because i was teaching in computer labs i could see what the students could produce and yet this thing that in some cases was preventing students from moving on to junior year at the community colleges was preventing them from graduating that had supposed to be a placement exam but wasn't like and in some ways like the injustice the inequality of that for my students who were failing those exams bothered me so much i was like okay this is what 
I have to look at and start thinking about. And so it really, you know, writing assessment as an area of research was really driven by thinking about and working with students in CUNY. Writing technology, yeah, I had been interested, but it was the zeitgeist of the time, and there was such an applied way that it worked by thinking about its impacts on students' lives that I was like, okay, this is what I really need to look at is writing assessment systems, writing technologies, and then the way it impacts, you know, student lives. So Carl, research on writing technologies and writing assessment has grown so much since the 1990s and early 2000s. And I'm wondering, has there been any significant surprises or developments in those fields that that stands out to you more than others, given your early interest in this work? I remember like in the 1990s, the debates about should we even allow students to have grammar checkers? Remember like green squiggly lines and red squiggly lines and all. I mean, it was like the construct of writing, particularly for folks in psychometrics, was writing was this sort of abstract thing. It didn't matter whether you were doing it pen and paper or on the computer. And in some ways, it's like the old debates about like calculators and high stakes math exams. And it's funny, I felt that there was a number of us arguing for using common tools, making spell check, grammar check, and this is much more primitive than folks have now, like available, like that should be the environment. And in some ways, over the course of 25 years, like that battle has been won. And it feels like there's this strange moment where like writing or at least word processing, like that's the default now. But I don't know if like the larger shift that we folks have been arguing, like how do you do situated writing assessment, really common tools where you use like all the functions of multimodality, how do you assess those things? And I think in writing studies, like coming out of the portfolio movement and some of Kathy Yancey's work, we really have the knowledge of how to explain this is a good way to do writing assessment, but I don't know that that has not translated into things like when there was the the common core movement, like that was almost the opposite of really deep situated writing assessment. So I guess I'm surprised in terms of how how over the course of 20, 25 years, like the debate about, oh, is writing pen and paper, is that the vehicle for doing it? Or keyboarding, can you do software assisted writing? Like that seems to have been solved in some ways, but yet the fuller question of what does it mean to write with software? What does it mean in terms of multimodal writing? I don't know that writing assessment is a field, particularly when you get to large scale assessments, has grappled and fully under, you know, fully understands even the implications of that yet. Let's talk about online teaching. You've taught in hybrid and distant learning environments, and you also served on the NCT Best Practices for Online Writing Instruction Committee. What do we need to consider as we continue to develop online pedagogies, and what strategies ought we take with us from online learning to face-to-face teaching? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Um, I mean, what's interesting is I think even pre-pandemic, when we were all thinking about like OWI as a thing, it was a very different moment than what happened with the pandemic. I mean, at UC Davis, we're sort of very studious um, 
in terms of talking about what happened during the pandemic as emergency remote writing instruction. So, you know, my colleagues, um, Corey Ching and Teresa Walsh really insist like we weren't doing online writing instruction. We were doing emergency remote writing instruction. You know, I mean, it's a different thing because we were all thrown into this environment. That being said, I think there were some best practices from OWI that could get picked up and probably are still with us. I mean, as we come to, I think the notion of high flex is really interesting. Um, and it, like one of the people who's informed my thinking a lot about um, high flex is actually a person from San Francisco State. Um, Brian Betty has some really interesting work around high flex. Um, he comes more from sort of the IT education technology side. But he really does sort of a systemic approach of how do you build high flex classes that meet student needs and how, like, if you have time to plan this, he's got a great book out that describes like how a program could transition to the best models of high flex that really meet student need. I think the trick, though, with high flex has been how do you actually do it well when you're not under the emergency that he recommends where you plan stuff out, you figure out like how many in-class sessions you need to face-to-face -face sessions, you figure out how you make it more project-based. Um, I guess with thinking about OWI, I would break things down into two different ways. One, I would say like, how do you do it programmatically to build sustainable, not just online writing instruction, but I would say high flex blended and online, like how do you look at the multiple ways you want to deliver curriculum and work with students and Betty provides that model. And then another person who's been really influential on my thinking is Danae Cohn, who's at Sac State now, but moving to UC Berkeley, she's got this terrific book, um, Skim Dive Surface, about all sorts of strategies for how do you have both online, not only writing instruction, but reading or analysis of material that's online, how do you build that into a class and sort of how do you sequence it so that students get the most out of things. And so I guess it for me, it would be those two things. One is like, how as a writing program administrator, do you think about building a sustainable program? How does the model of high flex help with that? And then the other is particular teaching strategies for online writing instruction, whether that's a fully online class or supplementing face to face. Carl, what have you been paying attention to most recently involving computers and composition? And what future directions would you like to see research take? I mean, this is both a little bit of a pivot um, away from just online writing instruction, although I think it speaks to how we teach and work in online environments. I'm really, so I'm working on a book that should come out from uh, University of Pittsburgh Press, in, and the tentative title is Swarms, Viral Writing, and the Local. And it's really an attempt to look at how do we have a rhetorical analysis that's really in situ, that's really thinking about situations of writing assessment, not just writing assessment, but writing, producing, communicating, how, how do we think and how do we teach students to think about writing in terms of multiple contexts, 
composing tools, relationships that writers have with each other, as well as with the content that they're working with. How do they pick the samples that they want to analyze? And then what does it mean for writing to have like an afterlife, like the ongoing significance and impact of a piece of writing? So I think a lot of models, I mean, even like if you look at a Burkean sort of model, the Pentad, like that ongoing significance that, you know, things keep living after you've posted them, people come back to them. That feels like an important aspect. And so I think there's an interesting moment for computers and writing scholars, not only to think about classroom environments, but to think about larger cultural debates, what's happening around information, misinformation, disinformation campaigns. How do we think about writing like on next door, right? These hyper local places of writing. Is there a way that we can develop rhetorical analysis, rhetorical participation techniques for students that speak to our moment in time in terms of personal, civic, as well as disciplinary engagement? And that feels, you know, I mean, that feels like a really important set of questions that I think we're, we're working on and trying trying to figure out. One of the things in some ways related to the engagement, but really the computers and writing 2023 is going to focus on the question of to what end. And it's really about hybridity, which both speaks to what we were talking about earlier in terms of high flex and different methods of teaching. So I think hybrid is an important concept in terms of classroom activities, like how are you developing particular activities? And that I think is an important theme that will be out in the, the call for papers for the conference. But the other aspect of hybridity is some of these forms of sort of mobile writing. What does it mean to have next door? What does it mean to have local wikis? So not only classroom, but civic engagement forms of writing. So yeah, we're really looking forward to welcoming people to Davis in June 2023 and seeing what people propose around the theme of hybridity, but also the conference theme of to what end, which is not like, oh, we can just build it. Oh, it's cool. Let's let's put these things online. But how does it contribute to access and equity and sort of the ends of education? And that's what the, the conference organizing committee is thinking about. So I want to go back to your scholarly interest in writing assessment and ask what writing assessment practices or strategies are you most drawn to right now? And what does program assessment look like at UC Davis? Yeah, so in this case, I think I'm going to do two two sort of shout, shout outs to colleagues here at UC Davis who've done um, really interesting work. Um, Trish Service, who's the director of our entry-level writing program, has been doing a lot of work around placement and has developed a tool, the Writing Placement Survey, which instead, I mean, it's sort of grown out of DSP, so directed self-placement, um, to have a more informed placement based on students' high school experiences where they do a survey. And what's really intriguing about both Trish's work, but also a bigger change within the UC system is during the pandemic, while there had been 10 years of arguments in terms of moving away from what used to be the analytic writing placement exam, the AWPE, 
um, in the UC, which actually, funny, is not entirely unlike the Watt exam that I was telling you about at CUNY, you know, a time placement exam, although this one did involve readings, but the Trish and um, people like Dan Gross down at UC Irvine successfully argued for a move away from the analytic writing placement exam. And some campuses may still use a variety a version of it, but Davis, Irvine, Santa Barbara, a number of college of uh, the campuses have moved towards using placement surveys. And that really as instruments here for incoming students, placement surveys as an outgrowth of directed um, self-placement is a really cool thing. I mean, it's like, yeah, I research writing assessment, but as a writing program administrator, seeing that best practices come into play on my campus is a really exciting thing. And I also really appreciate the way that my colleagues are not just taking DSP and like taking it off the shelf, but thinking about refining and changing DSP. And I think there's really some interesting publications coming out about how we can use surveys, how we can actually put more of the directed or assist it into placement rather than sort of a, a less informed choice, which I think might be tied with earlier versions of DSP. I haven't said anything about contract grading. And contract grading has actually been really interesting both on the lower division level for us. So first year writing, and this is really Dan Melzer, who's the director of our first year writing program, has been encouraging graduate students to use contract grading. Part of Dan's work and then just part of larger conversations among the faculty and lecturers in the writing program at Davis has led more people to adopt contract grading or a version of a Sal and Away's um, labor-based contract grading. And so I think we're seeing transformations both in first-year composition, but then also in our upper division writing in the sciences, writing in the professions classes where contract grading is allowing instructors to focus more on conversations that they want to have with students on what students want to produce and develop in their writing as opposed to a rubric and how students are meeting sort of preordained this is what you want to get out of the course and it's interesting those i would note for folks one little interesting thing about contract grading being implemented on a large scale in a writing program i mean where we're talking five seven thousand students a year like it's interesting the way that in the first year comp program which is mostly taught by graduate students contract grading has sort of been encouraged whereas for our faculty it's also been encouraged but it's much more of a conversation and in some ways an opt-in type of system and i would say out of our 70 faculty members it's not all 70 have decided to do it um, maybe you have 30 or so people who are actually doing versions of contract grading but among the whole faculty the conversations that come out of thinking about contract grading i think are influencing people's both assessment but also really like their responses and their pedagogy with students even if they're not jumping in fully and saying oh i'm using a contract-based grading approach i think it shifts pedagogy and relationships that people have with students in really intriguing ways. Um, 
And it just reminds me a lot, actually, of Bob Broad's work, um, like how faculty talk with each other and then talk with students. You sort of have this cultural aspect of writing assessment, and then you have sort of the, the technical, like, are you using, using a contract-based grading approach? Are you using a rubric-based grading approach? Which one of those is driving things forward? Thanks, Carl. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.